You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Well, this summer we have been, well, actually just the month of August, we've been at the beach, and we've been doing things a little bit differently for this sermon series. Um, I'm going to introduce the scripture to you to give you some background about it, and then from the perspective of uh, a person in the scripture, you get to hear the message. And so uh, today I'll be uh, speaking as Lydia. Now today's scripture takes place on the Sabbath, Paul's mission to, has expanded from the urban cities within the synagogues to the great cities in Europe. And so this reflects a change in his mission strategy. The ministry settings, of course, uh, are, more for, uh, are more informal uh, as they get outside of the urban areas. Paul and his crew find themselves uh, today at a riverside outside of the limits of Philippi. There's a group of women who are at work dyeing cloth, and Paul and his friends approach the women and ask for a place of prayer. Now, a place of prayer at the time was a makeshift synagogue. In this instance, the term place of prayer uh, designates a marginal location outside the city gates. Uh, And here, of course, it's beside a, a small river and it's on the southern edge of town. Now, because it's a more informal setting, it allows for men and women to hear the message together versus a formal synagogue where they would be separated. This setting also suggests that there may not have been a male quorum of 10 Jewish men within the city uh, to congregate um, an assembly of Jews for worship. So there had to be 10 Jewish men in order for there to be a formal worship experience. Paul's assumption that the river spot was a place of prayer symbolizes how insignificant the presence of Jews was within that city. So Paul sits and begins to teach, assuming the role of worship leader, and among the women working, dyeing the cloth, is the woman Lydia. Now, Lydia was the leader. She owned her own business and her own home. She was a highly successful woman, a dealer in purple cloth. Now, purple clothing was worn by the rich and the royal in the Roman world. Purple symbolized power and influence. Lydia was used to daily interactions with the rich and the famous. The fact that she, as a woman, is named at all in the scriptures suggests her social uh, prominence. So that's why we know her name. Lydia and the others are Gentiles, which means that they are not Jewish. And Luke, uh, the author of Acts, is a bit ambiguous about Lydia's religious background. The name Lydia is Greek. She's named after an ancient city well-known for the fabrics she sells. She extends hospitality to Paul, and she and the women are working for her are all baptized. Lydia begins to financially support Paul's mission after he stopped and uh, was with them and baptized them. Now, immediately following Lydia, Paul has an encounter with a divine slave girl. 
This girl uh, announces that Paul and Silas are slaves of the Most High God. Now, she's not speaking from the, out of the Holy Spirit's guidance, but rather an unholy spirit. The title of the Most High God is a name that was used at the time for Zeus. So there's this whole uh, experience. This woman, this slave girl, um, would make money by fortune-telling and then give it to her owners. So Paul comes and exercises the spirit from the girl, uh, much like when Jesus exercised um, in Capernaum the man who exhibited the same behavior in the Gospels. While this event demonstrates Paul's power, it also upsets the girl's owners, for they've lost their source of income. They had Paul and and Silas arrested and put in jail. While they're in jail, an earthquake happens, and the jailer assumes that they and all of the prisoners have escaped, but they did not. Hi, we're Tim and Sharon Sherrow, and we're on the west arm of Lake Michigan's Grand Traverse Bay. We'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. We therefore set sail from Troas, and took straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Hyatera and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she failed upon us. The word Word of of God God for the the people people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, Sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time My name is Lydia. I am a Greek woman with Roman citizenship. I'm a businesswoman, and I'm pretty well known for my success. I uh, weave and I dye purple cloth. You know, the kind that nobles wear. Now, when I first met Paul, I'm not sure that he approved of all that I did. I dealt with the rich of Philippi. They were important citizens of the Roman colony, and they came to me for their fancy dress. Now, Paul was ambivalent to the rich. He was someone who worked hard, and he had been close to nobility in the past, and he found that they just weren't always honest. But he knew how to use them. He knew the value of Roman citizenship. And so he himself claimed it when it would help. But at the same time, because he worked so hard, he had some contempt for those who didn't use their money for the community. 
He didn't know when he first met me how my business would later help his ministry. I remember the first time that I met Paul. It was so vivid in my memory. We were by the river, how the water glistened. I sat to check the work of the girls as they watched the purple um, dye, and they, uh, the, and they dyed the wool. It was quiet and peaceful. I really loved to watch the color change in the water as they were dyeing the fabrics. And then came Paul's booming voice. Good woman, is there a place of prayer nearby? I didn't get up. I just looked over. There was a group of men, two of whom I know now were Paul and Silas. They stood looking very Jewish in their worn-out tunics. I wondered what they were doing. It was the Sabbath, and they were walking around. They had come to our river. We're looking for a place of worship and prayer, said Silas. Now, these guys didn't seem like ordinary travelers. I got up. I couldn't take my eyes off Paul's face. Now, I was a courageous woman. I am a courageous woman. I deal with men. They're who bought my products, right? They buy my products. I talk to men all the time. But I was trembling in Paul's presence. Ever my mother's daughter, I offered him water. I offered them all something to drink, and I explained that I didn't know of a synagogue nearby. But I was moved to ask, would you pray with us? This was weird, I know. He's Jewish and I'm Greek. He very well could have rejected me. Tell me, to whom do you pray, dear lady? Well, I pray to the Lord God. I worship the Lord God. Would you like to bring all the women near this tree and we can pray together? I did. So I dropped what I was doing. I didn't care about the expense or the hours and all of that. And I gathered the women and we went. They were shy. They kept at their distance from the men. I fell to my knees and they did the same. I found myself mesmerized as Paul began talking to Jesus It was like a conversation between friends. Of course, I could only hear Paul's side of it, but it was clear that there was a conversation going on. And then Paul looked at us, and he smiled, and he said, I will tell you the most important news of your life. And he told us about Jesus. He told us about his death and resurrection, about his life-changing encounter on the road to Damascus. It felt like Paul was answering my prayers. You see, I'm educated, right? I know all that I'm supposed to know. I've heard Greek philosophy, and I've loved nature, and I know the myths. Everything, though, came together when Paul talked to me. Everything made sense. It was like I was being prepared for this one moment, this central truth All of my life, this truth of God becoming human. I ran home. I made the feast of my life. I prepared everything good and rich in our part of the world for Paul and Silas and their friends. As I tasted the food, I appreciated it in a new way. Everything became significant. Every moment shone with light. I sensed God's hand in all of creation. It was so powerful, so amazing. I felt Jesus' love in every good gift. 
And I became so thankful for all of the money that I made because I knew then and there that I was going to use it to support Paul and Silas and their ministry. They left, and soon I'd heard that they'd been arrested and beaten. And so a whole crowd of us came together outside of the city uh, and camped outside the prison. I could imagine that Paul and Silas were in there in pain and suffering. But they were singing. They were singing. Their voices started softly and they got stronger as they uh, were filled with the Spirit. As the Spirit filled them and strengthened them, you could hear their voices throughout the city. That night, the atmosphere, though, was suddenly very heavy. No wind blew, and then a rumble started. The whole earth began to shake. The stones moved and started trembling. We stood and we prayed. There was nothing else to do. The jailer came running from his house. He was wailing in the courtyard because of the earthquake. He pulled out his sword and drew his arm back. He was ready to do away with himself because he was sure that everyone had escaped from the prison. But then we heard Paul's voice. Wait, stop, don't. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Why didn't the prisoners escape? I mean, the earthquake knocked all the walls down. They could have gone. Was the singing of these bound and bleeding men such a miracle that others couldn't even move? We all ran to see, and there was Paul and Silas. Their bounds had been loosened. The ugly stocks were um, <clears throat> split in two. Still, they sat there and smiled at us. I ran to them, but Paul said, No, Lydia, my sister, it's his turn. And it was. The jailer then came up to them, carried them to his house, washed their wounds, gave them new clothes, wept the whole time. He fed them, and then he fell on his knees and asked, please, what can I do to be saved? And Paul said, you have nothing to do but believe. And all the man's family and all, the men, all of the guests gathered around. The prisoners were there in the yard. No one had escaped. And Paul started telling his story about Jesus and his own encounter on the road with Jesus. And he baptized all the people in the jailer's company, and we had a wonderful celebration. Soon, the officials of the city came running, and they told the jailer to let everyone go in peace. The jailer told Paul the good news. But Paul said, go back and tell them that we won't go quietly. We are Roman citizens. We weren't tried for our atrocities. We were grabbed by a mob, and the magistrates were the ones who gave the orders to beat us. They did it publicly, and they want us to leave in secret. No. Let them come themselves and release us publicly. Paul wanted them to know that they weren't dealing with any old religious charlatans. He wanted them to know they were intelligent, respectful men who had the news of Jesus Christ to impart. So the magistrates came. They apologized publicly. We all listened and smiled our thanks. But they were afraid of Paul and asked him and his men to leave the city. So Paul and Silas and their men all came to my house 
and they stayed until their wounds healed. We formed a church in my home. We worshiped every day. It was a time of joy. And then they left for Thessalonica. And then we lived for Paul's letters. How grateful I am to God that I was chosen to be the first in Greece to hear the word. And I'm grateful for the way that the love of Jesus has moved me to serve, to offer hospitality, to share my resources, to ensure the continuance of the church so that others might come to know Jesus and the world might be transformed. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.